0: Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. All right, we are still in Matthew chapter 6, talking about the Lord's, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Last week we talked about prayer and the Lord's Prayer. This week we are talking about money. Now, (laughs) I want you to understand something important today. Um, I am not a person that's up here preaching to y'all about things that you need to be doing different. Some weeks, maybe it may seem like that. Some weeks, maybe I feel like that. Most of the time, everything that I'm saying to you directly applies to me. It probably applies to me much more than it applies to you. So I want to come at you as a, with a posture this morning, because this is a challenging passage from Jesus. And I want to come at you this morning in a posture of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've messed this up so badly. <laughs> Let me share with you what, I've, what God is putting on my heart. I don't want it to feel like I am lecturing you because I've got it all figured out and you need to do better. I am not there yet, especially when it comes to all this stuff about storing up treasures in heaven. So I, I want you to understand this, and I want you to to know that I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at me. <laughs> and you might happen to overhear what's going on between me and God this morning, but the finger's pointed at me, okay? All let right. right, let's, let's get geared up. Let's read what God has to say what Jesus has to say to us in his sermon this morning. Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, this question gnawed at me. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in this passage that, we, that I don't understand, or I didn't understand, and I'll, I'll get to that. But one of the things that really stood out to me when I was studying this is that, you know, generally I think of the opposite of God as being the devil. And if you were to ask me, you, you can't serve two masters, God and X, I would probably say you can't serve God and the devil. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus here, when he says you can't serve two masters, and he's setting one up one of the masters up as God, he doesn't say that the other master you might serve is the devil. He says the other God that you cannot serve is wealth. In some translations they say Money. The actual word in Greek is mammon, which I kind of like. I'm going to say mammon, probably, because it it, it kind of personifies wealth as, as the god of money. So here's what he said. You cannot serve God and mammon. So why is it that mammon or wealth or money is the other master that you might be tempted to serve than Jesus? Why... Does Jesus set it up like that. I think the key to this is found actually in this middle paragraph when he says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now this part used to not make sense to me at all. In fact, I've read the Sermon on the Mount for years, and I thought, why does Jesus start off by saying, don't put your treasure on earth, but keep your treasures in heaven, and then go into this weird little saying about your eyes, and then follow it up with not serving two masters? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It feels like a one of these things is not like the other. He's preaching about money and your treasure, and then he's preaching about your eyes, and then he goes back to preaching about money and your treasure. But, I think that this eye thing does affect our mind. You see, what Jesus is saying is, his whole point of this is that if your eyes don't work, there is no other part in your body that can sense light and translate it into images in your mind. Right? If you go blind, if your eyes stop working, you can't hold out your hands and your hands will suddenly see for you. You can't smell colors, so your nose is not going to compensate. You can't hear a picture. There is, if your eyes go dark, there is no other part of your body, no other sense that can compensate for what you miss. That doesn't mean that your life is ruined. I mean, there's blind people that, that make up for their lives in other ways, but there are, there is a sense that they cannot compensate for. And that's their sight. There's no other part of your body that can compensate if your eyes go wrong. And I think what Jesus is getting at here is that there is a moral sense that we have. That if materialism starts to blind us, we cannot compensate in any other way. So if, if mammon has taken over your sense of morality, then no amount of prayer or scripture reading or singing in church can compensate for the thing that has gone wrong in your spirituality. Like your relationship with money, your relationship to stuff is such an important thing that if that one thing gets messed up, There is nothing else in your spiritual life that can fix what that one thing got wrong. It's like this gateway to spirituality. Your your relationship with your money, your relationship with physical things messes up your spirituality so much that unless that can be fixed, everything else is going to be dark. And I think the reason that mammon, that money, blinds us to spirituality is because money tells us lies. It keeps us in the dark because money lies to us, or maybe the devil lies to us through our money. So I think there are three central lies that mammon tells us that get in the way of our relationship with God. The first lie that Mammon tells us is that storing up treasures on earth is a good investment. Right? And Jesus directly addresses this. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. See, the truth of the matter is all the stuff you acquire, all the digits in your checking account, Go away at some point. Moth and moths rot out your clothes. Rust rots out your metal. Things decay. Technology becomes obsolete. Stuff breaks. Money goes bad. But mammon, this this desire that we have to acquire and to keep and to hoard and to hold on, that, that tells us, no, you can have it all. This stuff's not going to break. Look, all you have to do is acquire the next thing, and then you'll feel good. And then you'll have that thing forever. But you won't have the thing forever. If anything, maybe you manage to hold on to a bunch of your stuff forever. But then you'll die, and then you won't have it anymore. Mammon wants you to believe that it's a good investment to hold on to your stuff acquire more, to, to get money and things. But it's all going to fizzle out one way or another, which is why Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Spend your money on the kingdom of God. Spend your money feeding the orphans, taking care of the widows, spreading the gospel to places that haven't heard the gospel before. Just taking care of your neighbor." Those are the things that are going to last because those are the things that have a lasting impact in the kingdom. That when everything else rots away or rusts up or breaks or goes obsolete or dies, after all is said and done, those are the things that are going to have a lasting impact on the kingdom because someone's life was changed and transformed. Someone has an eternity that's changed because of something that you did. Those are the things that last. But mammon lies to you. Mammon wants you to believe that hoarding things on earth is a good investment, but it's just not. It's not a good investment. So that's the first lie. The second lie that mammon tells you is that the more you have, the better you are. This has never been more obvious to me than it was about a week ago when i took my family to disney world now this is going to step on some toes it'll step on my toes too because i was just there with my kids but i went to disney world and i looked around on the first day and i saw people just falling over themselves in this place and spending all kinds of money in this place and i thought i think and, and the thing is i was preparing for this sermon while i was there you know i was i was thinking ahead to this sermon and this passage and i thought oh no, I think I might be in a temple to the worship of mammon. I think maybe this place is dedicated to stuff. I mean, it just is. But the thing about it is, at Disney World, the more money you have to spend, the better off you are in that place. Because if you spend the extra $15 per person per day, you can get the fast pass and jump to the front of the line. And you don't have to wait in line and stand on your feet. You're a a first class citizen, but you're not even a first class citizen if you do that. Because if you stay at the resort, if you spend the buku money it takes to stay at the resort and get the fast pass, then you can sign up for the fast pass two hours earlier than those schlubs who didn't stay at the resort. And then you're a like diamond platinum first class citizen. And you're just breezing through all the lines while everybody else is just standing there with their six-year-old son, who can walk, saying, carry me, daddy, carry me. But the thing about it is, right, when you have the fast pass, and you're the one breezing to the front of the line, you think, I paid for this. I deserve this. You see all the the daggers that are getting stared at you by all the people you're walking past, and when you, you get to the front of that line, and there's that person that's been standing there for literal hours, and you just go, no, thanks. I'm going in front of you. And you think, but I paid for this. I deserve this. You don't deserve that. Just because you could afford to pay Disney extra money, that doesn't mean you deserve anything. But when you're the one standing in the line, then you get on their high horse, too. Oh, these people think their money can just buy them to the front of the line. You're still in Disney World, dog. You're warped. World War. Well off than most of the people on Earth, so don't get on your high horse either. I was on both of those places this weekend. We bought the fast passes, but we also stood in the lines and I it was amazing, you know, one from one ride to the other, how much superior I felt to the other group. No matter which side of the line I was on. Because the lie that Disney tells you is that the more money you have and the more money you're willing to shill out, the higher of a status person you are. This is also true when you fly on an airline, right? If you fly all the time, if you spend all the money, if you're the diamond platinum person, you get the extra drinks on the first class. You get to board early. You get to hang out in the swanky lounge. And if you're a business class person, which is, you know, second class, let's just call it what it is, you don't get any of that stuff. You don't even get to have your own elbow space. But the more money you spend, the more money you have, the higher class of a person you are. And that used to be something that was just implied, but these companies are now just making it outright. Just text. It's it's part of how they operate. If you have more money and you're willing to spend more money, we will treat you as a first-class citizen. And if you are not willing to spend that money, you will be a second-class citizen. And what happens when when that when that occurs is that we start to assign this moral dimension to wealth, this moral dimension to mammon. You start to feel like I deserve this. I work hard. I, I I'm doing things and I get this money and I deserve to be in the front of the line. I deserve to board the plane first. I deserve the nice cocktails. I deserve all this stuff on the, in the airplane when. It doesn't have anything to do with how deserving you are. I don't work so much harder than a person, you know, slaving away over. I would say that most people working minimum wage jobs are working a lot harder than the people that make more money. It's not about the, des- the amount of deserving, it's just the amount of money. And, and we, the lie that Mammon tells us is that we have what we have because we deserve it because we are somehow superior or better. And therefore, the people at the back of the line must be there because they deserve to be in the back of the line. This is the lie that Mammon tells us, that that we become first-class citizens because we have more stuff. But that is just not true. In fact, Jesus kind of says the opposite of that many times in the Gospel, right? He says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first that the people at the back of the line are the first people in the kingdom of heaven, and the people breezing on past in the fast lane are not the first in the kingdom of heaven. So the first lie that Mammon tells us is that your treasure on earth is a good investment. The second lie that Mammon tells us is that the more you have, the better off you are. The third lie that Mammon tells us is that you can serve two masters. Right? The lie that materialism tells us is that it's okay. Treat yourself. You can have the stuff you want. You can gather stuff you want. It's alright. God doesn't care and you compartmentalize it. Despite the fact that Jesus tells us other things in the scripture Mammon wants us to believe that we can serve Jesus and be okay but also have as much as we want, acquire as much as we want hold on to as much as we want too and this is a this is a lie that the american church has bought hook line and sinker and it's led to this enormous spiritual blindness in the american church because we are, our sense of morality is off kilter our eyes have been covered up by mammon and by money and so uh, all, so many decisions that we make as a church and not just well i'm not talking about garden city methodist i'm talking about the american church has been Made because we are seeking after mammon and thinking that we can serve mammon and God together. And we just cannot do it. We can't serve celebrity and God. We cannot serve more money and God. We cannot serve comfort and God. We've got to choose one or the other. When I was at seminary, Sarah Beth and I actually both worked at this little diner uh, in town. And it was a charming little place. And we had like an old-fashioned soda fountain and pieces. And, uh, but this place was owned by this married couple that had retired. And what they did on their retirement was they bought this soda fountain in this town. And they were good folks. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, the husband of the couple and the wife of the couple had two different ideas of what this restaurant wanted to be. So the husband wanted it to be this like pizzeria. The wife wanted it to be like this cute uh, sandwich and soup kind of thing. And the husband wanted to have a nice place where you could sit down and be friends with folks and and talk. And the wife wanted you to get in and get out quick. And so there were so many things, so many days, if they were both working at the same time, and that happened pretty often, that you would get in there and the husband would yell at you for scooping too much ice cream in a milkshake. No, no, no. The wife would say, scoop less ice cream in that milkshake. We're not giving out free stuff here. Come on, you you need to conserve that. And then you would do what she said and the husband would walk by and say, give that person more ice cream. Come on, you need to have like... We're, we're, we don't need to skimp on the ice cream for these people. We're trying to give a good product. And it's like, I just can't, I can't do it right. There's there no amount of ice cream that I could scoop into this milkshake that will not get me yelled at by one of these two people. It's crazy. Or you'd go up and you would bust someone's table and you'd say, or you know, it, it, the wife would say, that person's got plates on their table. Go get it. And then you'd go get it and the husband would say, what, are you trying to rush them off? Come on, let them finish their stuff. You came, you went and got their plate. As soon as they finished, they're going to think you're trying to rush them off. And it's like, it was so stressful. This, this dynamic of trying to serve two masters who both have different ideas of what you should be doing. This is what God says, or no, Jesus says, that trying to serve God and mammon is life. Because God has one agenda for your life, and mammon has a separate agenda for your life. And their two agendas are not compatible with each other. Jesus tells us that the first will be last, and the last will be first. Mammon tells us that the first will be first, and who cares about the last? Jesus tells us that we need to serve other people and go the extra mile. Mammon tells us that we need to hold on to our money, and if those other people don't have what they need, it's probably because they deserve it somehow. You can't serve both masters. And that's a lie from Satan that you can't. But Mammon wants you to believe so bad that you can hedge your bets and have it both ways. That you can show up at church, put on a good face, but really serve man the other six days of the week and be fine. But it's a lie. You can't do it. Verse 21, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For so long, I, I almost read that backwards. Or I, I knew what it said, but I thought about it backwards. I thought it meant where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Right? So if you have a good heart, if you, if you have good intentions, if you know what, what you're doing and you want to do good, then your treasure will be stored up in heaven. That's actually not what Jesus says. Jesus says it the other way around. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus isn't saying that your heart will determine where your treasure goes. He's saying that your treasure determines the status of your heart. Which is convicting to me. What Jesus says, if you want to know where your heart is, then look at the ledger in your checkbook and it will tell you whether you're serving God or serving man. And I don't know about you, but if you pulled up my online bank statement right now, I don't know if you would think I was serving God. I think you probably would think I was serving man. Or after our trip this month, you'd probably think I was serving the Walt Disney Company which is the same thing as man. Now, it's not a sin to have money, and I don't want you to think that it is. It's not a sin to make money. But I think it is a sin to not use that money for the kingdom. There's not some objective standard for it. It's not like you you can look at the kind of car you drive and tell what you're doing for... The kingdom, or, or I, I don't want anybody to feel bad about having things necessarily. But what I will say is that if you have never evaluated your relationship to mammon, then most likely you are serving it because materialism is the religion of our age, the default American religious posture is worship of mammon. The default American cultural posture is serving money. It is certainly not the upside down way of Jesus. And so if you've never evaluated where your heart is in terms of money and mammon, then most likely you're going along with the default. And I think it's time to evaluate. It's time to take seriously Jesus' words. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But the good news today, the good news is that Jesus is a better master than mammon ever could be. Because where mammon tells you lie after lie after lie, Jesus tells you truth after truth after truth. Mammon tells you that you're stuff on earth is worth more than it is, Jesus tells you the truth, that you can store up a treasure of heaven that will never go away. That's good news. If the lie of Mammon is that having more makes you a first-class citizen, the truth of Jesus is that you have value just by being you, just by existing, you are a first-class citizen in Jesus' eyes because he created you and he loves you and there's not a thing you can do to increase or decrease your value as his beloved. So you don't have to acquire more to be a first-class citizen in the kingdom of heaven. All you have to do is commit yourself to him. The lie is that you can serve two masters, but the truth is that the one master is good enough. Jesus is a wonderful master. He wants to free you from lies, and so heal your Moral, spiritual eyes so that you can walk in the light and not in the darkness. And he will do it for you. That's the good news of the gospel today. is that we serve a good master. And yeah, he wants all of your devotion. He wants all of what you have. But he can give you so much more than you give up if you follow him. Not measured in terms of materialism. But measured in terms of the spirit. And it's better. So I don't know where you are today with all of this. Maybe uh, you're a better person than I am, a better Christian than I am, and you are you don't struggle with, with materialism like I do. Boy, I'm, I'm jealous of you if that's true. Maybe you're someone who has never examined their relationship to money and to mammon and, and never even thought about it before. It took me a while. But if you've never evaluated before, I want to encourage you to evaluate today. And if you if, if the Spirit is moving you, is prickling your heart and saying, You're trying to serve two masters. I want to invite you to the altar and commit to serving just the Lord. Let's go to God and pray. Jesus This is such a hard teaching. I don't know why you had to go and say it. Jesus, I don't know why. You don't want me to have it all, but I know that what you want me to have is better. And I understand, Jesus, that that mammon is lying to me. Lying to me. So, God, I pray that you will help me to forsake the lies of man and the lies of the evil one and embrace the truth that you have. The truth that you are enough. And I can, no matter how much I have, I can be generous and giving and trusting. God, I pray that you will give us the courage today to forsake the worship of man to to forsake the, the serving of two masters and to chase wholeheartedly after you. Yeah. And then I pray.